Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So one of our North Carolina Supreme Court judges wants different rules for herself than literally every other judge before her. <laughs> she, yeah, she's very adamant that she should be allowed to play by a different set of rules than other judges have. And if you make her try to play by the same rules that all of the other judges have, then she will scream uh, about her First Amendment rights being violated. You want to take a guess who it is? All right, I'll give you three guesses. First two don't count. Okay, all right, it's Anita Earls. You're right. It's Anita Earls, North Carolina Judicial Standards Commission. Have you heard of this body? They usually don't. Most people don't, okay? But as the name indicates, right, they they police, if you will, uh, judges, making sure that they abide by, you know, ethical standards and that sort of thing. And so they have been looking into comments that Judge Earls made in a couple different places, interviews and like a panel discussion or something. And they started looking into her. They started investigating whether or not she had violated any of the standards by making comments that she made. And there's no doubt that she made the comments. It was, there was these were publicly recorded comments. Uh, that, that's not in question. And nobody would have actually even known about any of the comments that she made, except she came out and said, they're investigating me. Because the commission didn't announce anything like that. They don't ever announce anything like that. They keep it all under wraps, and this way, if you know nothing comes of it and there's no violation, then a judge isn't, you know, dragged through uh the public court of opinion, you know. So she tries to block it in court because she's a leftist lawyer, uh, with a wardrobe change, granted, but uh that's you know, that's what leftist lawyers do. And in fact, that's what Anita Earls has spent her career doing. Right? She was the founder of the what Southern Coalition for Social Justice. And when she got onto the bench, I believe as an appointment first, uh, she was then followed in her role at the Co- Southern Coalition for Social Justice by Allison Riggs, who then kept suing the state legislature over all sorts of you know, laws and redistricting maps and all sorts of stuff. They, they, they've just been a constant litigation machine, just taking in the dollars and using them for Uh, for lawsuits against the Republican-controlled legislature, attempting all manner of end runs around the legislature in order to enact laws that they cannot otherwise get implemented because they do not control the legislature anymore. So Earls um, comes out and says, hey, everybody, the commission is looking into this, and I'm going to sue to block it. I want it thrown out. I want them to stop it and all this. And so she gets an injunction. Or she seeks an injunction. This from the Carolina Journal. That the Judicial Standards Commission opposed an injunction blocking its investigation 
into published comments from State Supreme Court Justice Anita Earls. A court filing last week suggests that Earls might consent, though, to an interview with the commission staff, and it could be, it may have actually been already underway. Uh, Today, it was set for, I want to say, I think I remember seeing, like, it may be at, like, 1 o'clock today. So maybe she sat for it. I don't know. The commission says, quote, we are continuing with its uh, proceeding exactly as the court would expect. First, by asking to speak with the plaintiff for about an hour or less, and then by deciding what, if any, action should come next. As the court has already concluded, the plaintiff has not shown that these actions, the investigation, would violate her constitutional rights and therefore are not likely to cause irreparable harm. Simply sitting down and talking with the commission does not violate her rights. She's saying they do because it's a, you know, I guess this is like living, breathing document kind of territory. I'm going to, I'm going to spin out like only in the minds of leftists, right? Where do you have this idea where the plain text of a thing doesn't mean the thing, but you can spin out all sorts of divinations of meaning with, with ambiguous language or even clear language that then they say, oh, well, it's a little unclear in my interpretation of it. And I think it means this other thing. And we can extrapolate from there that this other thing might apply. And then from there that we extrapolate to this other thing. And therefore I win. As the court has already concluded, the plaintiff has not shown that these would violate her constitutional rights. Just having the the talk, the court's well-reasoned conclusions are not altered by the plaintiff's election to challenge them on appeal because she lost, by the way, she lost when she went to the court. She went to, I believe, a federal court and, and said, hey, they're violating my my First Amendment rights. I have the right to go to these uh, panel discussions and basically impugn the uh, the motives and the integrity of my colleagues. That's her argument, which is really not that big of a stretch if you think about it, right? I mean, you had Josh Stein, the attorney general of the state of North Carolina, who defended himself against a law that says you can't lie about your opponent in a campaign material. And uh, he went to court in order to argue that, yes, you can. I should be able to lie. I should be able to say whatever I want to say about my opponent. You're abridging my free speech. And this is the same argument that Anita Earls is making that she should be able to impugn the integrity of her colleagues on the bench and that all of the rules that apply to judges as policed by the Judicial Standards Commission, those rules should not be applied to her. The commission asked the court to deny the plaintiff's motion for an appeal. Court filings also include, this is from uh, Thursday, court filings also include an ongoing email exchange between Earls' attorney, a person by the name of Press Millen and uh, writing to the commission lawyer, Patricia Flood. Millen says, quote, so this is Anita Earls' attorney, quote, we continue to be of the view that the investigation and any interview requirement violates Justice Earls' First Amendment rights and chills her speech. For that reason, we think that the court should be given the opportunity to rule. Right, so they're waiting on a court to make a decision, and the commission's like, yeah, we want to go ahead and do this deposition. It's going to take like an hour. We just want to interview her. Or not deposition, just an interview. 
In the event that the commission is not willing to uh, to allow that time for a ruling on her motion for a stay, right? She's trying to prevent the court from, uh, uh, so there was a court, uh, well, she goes and she files a petition, says, I shouldn't be under investigation. They shouldn't be able to compel me to go talk to them. The uh, federal court looked at it and they were like, yeah, no, we don't see any reason why the rule shouldn't apply to you too. And so now she's saying, no, 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 you need to have a stay get an injunction, stop this from happening, and now they're waiting on an appeal, and uh, the commission is like, well, we already won at the first level, so why don't you just go ahead and come in and do the interview, and we don't have time to be kind of messing around with this. Let's just kind of, let's just get it done. And they're like, no, 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 we should let it play out. We should uh, we should listen, uh, or we should wait for a, uh, a ruling on her motion by the district court or the Fourth Circuit. And if it doesn't go Earl's way, then her lawyer says she will fully cooperate with the commission's investigation, including submitting to an interview, provided it is understood that this is in no way a waiver of her assertion of her right to be free from the unconstitutional suppression of her speech and no waiver of her argument that the investigation itself has a chilling effect on the exercise of her fundamental rights as a citizen, as an elected official, and as a candidate for public office, right? So again, she's arguing she has the right to get up in whatever venue she wants and attack her fellow members of the bench. And historically speaking, judges have not been allowed to do this sort of thing because it undermines confidence in the court system. Now, I look, Maybe there's a compelling argument here, but this is, way, this is the way it has always been done. And that's not an argument to say that's the way it should always be done just because that's the way it always was done. But I would note she is the very first person to ever try to challenge this in court to get it overturned, to get this to gut the Judicial Standards Commission. That's what she's trying to do because she really wants to impugn the integrity of her colleagues. All right, so back to this story about our uh, Supreme Court Judge Anita Earls. And if memory serves, I believe now, well, yeah, she is one of two Democrats on the North Carolina State Supreme Court. And one of those seats held by the Democrat Mike Morgan, who resigned the seat a couple months ago so he could run for governor. He's going to be running against Josh Stein in the Democrat primary. That seat um, is uh, is up for election, if I recall correctly, because I, I just saw somebody has filed to run against Allison Riggs. Allison Riggs was Anita Earls's protege, basically. Um, she was uh, the she became the head of the uh, Southern Coalition for Social Justice after Anita Earls got elevated to a judgeship by or this judgeship by uh, Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray. So the governor keeps picking social justice activists to sit on the bench. Earls argues, so, and by the way, so she had made some comments, and I'll tell you what they were in a, in, in a minute here, but um, she made a bunch of comments and then got reported to the judicial, North Carolina Judicial Standards Commission for attacking, basically, members of the bench, men, members of the judiciary. And that's that's frowned upon. That violates your... Your, your, your oath, your code of ethics, whatever, when you sign the dotted line to become a judge, you say that you're not going to do these things. Now she's claiming that this 
This infringes on her First Amendment rights, and the simple act of an investigation chills her free speech. So she she doesn't want the rule to apply to her. Maybe she's seeking to just blow up the rules altogether, and then we'll have. I mean, this is. I mean, think about this though. This is kind of ironic because the Democrats were the party that kept saying things like, you know, uh, partisan uh, uh, partisan judiciary. Um, when the Republicans were like, "Hey, let's put the 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 party affiliation back on the ballot, so people will know if the judges are Republicans or Democrats." We'll put the R or the D next to their name on the ballot. And the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, were screaming bloody murder about this, saying that, oh, this somehow now is going to corrupt the bench, that now it's going to be a partisan judiciary. And yet, what do we have now? We have Anita Earls impugning the integrity of her Republican colleagues, Republican judges, and you can make the free free speech argument like she is, whatever. Fact is that All the other judges have been uh, abiding by these code of ethics and this code of ethics. They've all signed on to it and they refrain from impugning the integrity of other judges and the like. They've all been doing this. And what she's arguing is that either what a she should be exempt from these rules because she's a black female or B um, everybody should be exempt from these rules that there shouldn't be this rule, which will then lead to what? more partisan speech from the judiciary, right? You're going to have the judges attacking each other, undermining the democracy. No? This this is the the same thing with the fair maps argument that the leftists make on this stuff, right? They're they're arguing in bad faith. It uh, It is simply an argument that they are making at the moment in order to get the power they seek. That's it. That's it. They will it's Calvin Ball. Right? They change the rules when they when they need them changed if it means they're going to get a little bit more power. I'm not saying Republicans don't do it either, but this is like the hallmark on all of this stuff with this Sue Till Blue constant litigation lawfare approach that the Democrats have now built into the structure of their politics. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out supreme court uh, north carolina supreme court justice anita earls made some comments in a couple different venues and people complained inside i guess the judiciary i'm not sure but people filed complaints i believe they're anonymous and then north carolina has what's called the judicial standards commission and they look at these complaints and they'll assess whether there's anything you know, violative about the comments made or actions undertaken by members of the bench. And when Anita Earls 
was uh, the subject of one of these complaints, she went public with it. Otherwise, nobody would know that the commission was looking into her comments. She made it public. And then she says, oh, it's chilling my First Amendment free speech rights. What did she say? One of the comments that got her in trouble was when she said this was at a... uh, This was in an interview. I believe it may have been with WRAL. Uh, She said, quote, the new members of our court very much. So she's talking about conservatives who won the last statewide uh, two statewide races uh, to now control the North Carolina state Supreme Court. And she said, quote, the new members of our court very much see themselves as a conservative block. They talk about themselves as, quote, the conservatives. Their allegiance is to the ideology, not to the institution. She's attacking her colleagues, right? She's ascribing motive to them. She's accusing them of corruption, right? That's what she's doing. And generally speaking, the Judicial Standards Commission and members of the judiciary are not cool with that. Officers of the court are held to a standard because trust in the system is paramount uh, to, you know, its operation. If people have no confidence in, in the judicial system, it collapses. And if that collapses, well, then you end up with, you know, violent people walking the streets. Well, actually, hang on. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, did you hear that the guys that burned down that Wendy's in Atlanta during the mostly peaceful but fiery protests in the summer of love? They all are walking. Yeah. But anyway, the um, so what is what happened here was that the um, the commission started doing its its investigation and Anita Earls uh, wanted it to stop. She went public with it. She sues to stop them from investigating her, saying it's abridging her First Amendment rights and it's chilling her free speech. She lost. She's appealing that to the Fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in order to reverse U.S. District Judge William Osteen's November 21st decision not to grant her a preliminary injunction. Osteen uh, went on to in that uh, in that um, original opinion. Osteen. 54-page order, he wrote, explaining his decision to reject her request for an injunction to stop the, the investigation from proceeding. And he, he cited a thing called the Younger Doctrine, as opposed to the Older Doctrine, which nobody listens to that one. And no, I'm kidding. But it's called the Younger Doctrine, precedent that suggests federal courts should steer clear of state court proceedings in most instances. So he cites that, the Younger Doctrine, and uh, he says, it appears to this court, particularly when considering the larger context of other statements made in the interview and the interview's topics, that the plaintiff, Earls, that her statements at issue could be reasonably interpreted as an accusation that Earls's conservative bloc colleagues unethically prioritize their conservative political principles in some decisions, either administrative, judicial, or both. 
Right. And Osteen's exactly right. That's what her comment means when she says that they talk about themselves and they see themselves as a conservative block and says, quote, their allegiance is to the ideology, not to the institution. Right. She's impugning their ethics. She's impugning their integrity, their decisions. Right. She's undermining. Like, you, look, you want to have you want to make your arguments. You make your arguments based on law. You do it. In your opinions, in your dissents, that's when that's where you do that. And then once that's done, then it's done. You've spoken to the case. What she's talking about now is their motives. And it's like everything else with these lefties, like they can they can divine the motive of everybody else because everybody I don't like and everybody I disagree with is a racist. Everybody is a, a sexist, is a whateverist, you know. Even without the younger abstention, Osteen said that he would deny her motion for a preliminary injunction just based on the merits. Right? So he's like, I'm denying your your injunction, your request for an injunction on this because we're a federal court, you're a state court, and we really shouldn't be getting involved in this stuff because the younger doctrine. But even without the younger doctrine, I would still deny you. He rejected her argument that Canon 2A of the North Carolina Code of Judicial Conduct offers a vague prescription of acceptable and unacceptable behavior. She said it was too vague. And he said, quote, these canons or rules were adopted by the North Carolina Supreme Court and do not appear, at least on their face, difficult for a trained lawyer or jurist to interpret. Ooh. (laughs) That's a smack right there. Right? These rules are not difficult for you, a trained lawyer, a trained judge. Now you're a judge. These are not difficult to interpret, particularly in light of the fact that the North Carolina Supreme Court has published opinions explaining the application of these rules in disciplinary proceedings. He, say, he goes on to say, a justice's speech carries certain weight due to the authority of and respect commanded by the office of the North Carolina Supreme Court Justice. Public criticism by a justice of other justices is different from the same statement by media outlets or citizens in general. While public criticism of other judges by a judge may in some circumstances be fair political speech, an allegation that certain judges may elevate political or other personal ideology over the institution of the North Carolina Supreme Court may diminish the authority and integrity of that court as a whole. Let me go back here to the uh, Judicial Standards Commission. Um, Their confidential investigation, uh, Osteen said, it does not strike him as unacceptable in response to the comments. Right? He's not not weighing in. He's just saying, look, look, this is your process. These are your rules. You should understand them. You're a lawyer. You've been a lawyer for a long time. You've been a judge for a long time now, a couple of years. So the, the rules are easy to understand, easy to follow. These are the rules. And the commission is charged with investigating this very kind of thing. He said a judge subjects herself to the code and its canons upon taking office and the disciplinary process for handling alleged violations of the code is done confidentially in a way that does not affect the judge's public image or daily responsibilities in the early stages of an investigation or if a complaint is dismissed. Right, but right, the, the problem is she went public with it. 
She went public with it. This was like the commission could have just done its investigation and been done with it. They find no reason to pursue it, no charges, no discipline, no whatever, and that's it. But she raises it to this. She she makes it a federal case, literally makes it a federal case. This is. uh, Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Like, again, you can make the arguments one way or the other. Maybe this is the way you get to this, the dismantling of these codes. But I will tell you that I've served, like when I serve on uh, a board or something, they make me sign a, a, a code of conduct. It's voluntary, and if I don't want to sign the code of conduct, I don't do the, the service, right? I, I don't, don't do the work. Don't join the board. Don't join the organization if you don't agree to the terms. And one of the terms of being on the bench is that you can't trash talk your colleagues. You can't ascribe them all these sorts of nefarious motives that make people question whether or not they're actually getting fair justice. Now, she would argue, it's true. That's why I should say it, Okay then I guess we're going to have open partisan warfare on the bench, which I'm old enough to remember when Democrats said they didn't want to see that. But of course, that was a lie. They just wanted to go one direction. Another story here, North Carolina uh, lawfare. This by Will Doran at WRAL. A panel of judges granted Democrat Governor Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray, his request to block a new elections law before voters head to the polls in 2024. The ruling from three judges, so two Republicans and one Democrat, was unanimous. They ruled that the law passed by the GOP-controlled legislature last month is likely an unconstitutional power grab. It's just a temporary ruling pending a full trial likely to be held in early 2024. This is about the Board of Elections and who gets to appoint the members and how many. Okay, Cooper's attorney, Jim Phillips, argued in court last week on Thursday, that their decision was the only way to rule based on other similar cases. The new law that was passed and uh, over the veto, they overrode the governor's veto on this, it would strip Cooper's power, sorry, Cooper, Cooper's power over the State Board of Elections and instead give that power to the legislature and it is similar to another GOP-backed law that was struck down as unconstitutional by the Supreme Court in 2018 back when it was controlled by Democrats. So again, here's the key. You got a new state Supreme Court and the Republican majority, conservative bloc, as Anita Earle would call them, they are interested in undoing bad rulings that Democrats made. This is So if you can get a bad ruling on the books with some Democrat uh, lawyers in robes, then... What do you get? Stare decisis, right? That you get precedent. You go, oh, well, the court said this, and so we got to keep doing it. And what the conservatives are saying is, no, that was incorrectly decided by activist judges, and so we're going to we're go- give us the chance, and we will overturn these prior bad decisions. So that's the, that's the underlying fight going on here. Um, there's also the fight between the legislature constantly trying to uh, take power away from the governor and the governor trying to maintain power. This is why the legislature and Pat McCrory, all Republicans, they fought each other in court over these types of issues as well. 
In addition to changing who has the power to appoint election board members, the law would also make the board have an even number of seats for both parties instead of giving a majority to whichever party holds the governor's office. And let's be honest, there really is no reason why boards of election at the state or the county level should be made up of a majority of whatever party holds the governor's mansion. Because what if you have the governor who's a Republican and you've got every other council of state or seat, statewide seat held by Democrats, right? Nine of the 10 seats held by Democrats at the state level, but because the one seat held by the governor, so he gets to make all of the state board of elections appointments and the majority of all the state board of elections and county board of elections that get to be his party. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a partisan thing. And if you are trying to actually make elections less or let's say more immune to accusations of partisan bias or corruption or rigging or riggedness, um, then it seems to me like you would find a way to strip out some of the, the partisan appointment influence in that process. And by the way, I heard today the Congressional Ethics Committee, the one that recommended unanimously to kick out George Santos, that's the only committee in Congress that's completely bipartisan. It's an even split Democrat and Republican. So this idea that, oh, nothing will ever get done, it'll create log jams and and it's a threat to the democracy, like all of these types of arguments for simply wanting the body of the Board of Elections to be equal and not comprised of the majority just based on the based on the governor's party so anyway the uh these three judges they decided yeah that uh, you're likely to win this and so uh ultimately though the speaker of the house says uh the case has to go to the supreme court and um we've always had a weak governor in this state and they don't want all that power centralized in one person that's their argument we shall see i will see you tomorrow Don't break anything while I'm gone.